Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning once again, everybody, and welcome to Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. We're coming to you from Memorial Stadium, Lincoln, Nebraska, where the sun is up nicely this morning, 40 degrees right now. Game time temperature expected to be around 70 Ooh. here in Lincoln. Mr. Tate, how are you? Well, that sounds good. I, I think uh, the Illini need the good weather because they can mix the passes with the running game, and, and I think that the defense will hold up. I'm, I'm very optimistic. Looks like a perfect day. The wind is not going to be a factor. As I mentioned, it is sunny and uh, not uh, warm yet, but uh, for 70 and Late October, we would take that every day for a college football game. I'll say. And, of course, this this opens it up for Thompson, the, their quarterback, to throw the ball to Palmer, who's uh, averaging 111 yards and is, you know, he's awful fast. They say he ran a 10-200, so Illinois uh, has got to stick with him. And, and you, it, it, you know, there's been talk about Witherspoon gardening, but this isn't a one-man deal. This is a, this is a secondary and getting a, a good rush from uh, Newton and the boys up front. We've got the phone lines open here for the first, well, throughout the show, but especially for the first uh, 20 or 30 minutes or so. If you want to jump in and talk about this game, uh, the exhibition basketball game last night that Illinois won 87-52 to over Quincy. Lauren was there. We'll talk a little bit about that. The World Series got underway. Phillies were down 5 nothing, then came back to win 6-5 to in 10. So I guess the Astros are capable of losing a post-game uh, <laughs> yeah, ball and, game, aren't they? And the and the Phillies are charmed, I guess as you could say, uh, getting a home run to the opposite field by Real Muto late in the ball game and tenth inning, I guess. And and uh, I did stay up for that, Steve. <laughs> and uh, I'm 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 always uh, amazed at the number of, of of home runs to the opposite field that in my day you just didn't see. It's amazing how strong these guys are, and uh, of course. Uh, uh, the the Phillies got some strong guys if they connect. You mentioned them being charmed. It's almost, and don't take this the wrong way, but it's almost the middle finger charm. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the Cardinals lost it because of a middle finger. Now, now, of course, that's only one game, Steve. I get it, but and, I, I tell you what, though, if the Cardinals won that game, I, you know, I think it would have been a whole different story. But you can, I mean, well, it would have gone three games at least. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the Phillies uh, win six to five. High school football playoffs are underway. A couple of area teams in action last night. Muhammad Seymour, seeded number one in 5A, beat the 16 seed Ottawa 40-14. to In 3A, the number one seed Prairie Central beat uh, the 16 seed PBL 57-12. to 
And in 2A, it was number two seeded Bismarck Henning Rossville Alvin, 43 to 35 over the number 15 seed Westville. That's kind of a offensive shootout in that ball game last night. Some other teams will play today. Most of the other teams in the area play today, including Centennial, Danville, Unity, Monticello, St. Joe, Ogden, and others will be in action today. You in know, high Steve. Football playoffs. Uh, the high schools always complain about uh, you know Illinois or or a Big Ten team or or college teams playing on Friday night. Then when they get to this point, this is mid middle of the season for the for college. It's past middle, but uh, all these uh, Saturday games are right in in conflict with all the of the college games, and they will be throughout the playoff, which will take four weeks. And I, I just find it very interesting that, you know, there are all these Saturday games and you can't go to a high school Saturday game and go to a college game at the same time. Right. The uh, basketball exhibition, we mentioned that. Number 23, Illinois, in the preseason poll over Quincy, 87-52. Lauren, you were there. Tell me more about it. Had a little bit of a slow start, some turnovers early. Well, there's yeah, turnovers uh, throughout the game. 25 turnovers for Quincy. They just couldn't handle the pressure. And they weren't that good of ball handlers in the first place, I guess. And Illinois did put some full-court pressure on them. And, and I, not to steal the ball necessarily, but to, as the coach said, to disrupt them. Uh, I thought that Illinois shot poorly, of course. Obviously, when you're one for 14 on threes and, and missed their first 10, I know. And uh, yeah, and finishes, you know, and, and they're just going to be a streak-shooting team, Steve, for a couple reasons. Number one, the uh, Shannon has always been a streak, streak shooter, as as well as Coleman Hawkins, and the freshmen never shoot as well as they will later. We know that that that's historically true. So Illinois may have some trouble shooting at times, but uh, they got 52 points inside the, in the paint. In other words, they got to the basket a lot. The half court offense wasn't very good. The full court offense I thought was much much better, and they did run the ball well and. Uh, I, I think it's uh, it was just a typical uh, exhibition game. Illinois wound up uh, making uh, 32 out of 71 shots uh, overall, a whole bunch of lay-ins and a whole bunch of baskets. Let's see. Baskets off turnovers, Steve, 32 points. How about that for Illinois? Yep, Illinois ended up only 6 for 34 from the three-point line, 18%. And uh, Brad Underwood said they've really been shooting the cover off the ball in practice, but uh, that's why you play these exhibition games to get set uh, for the season. You got to see for the first time several guys. Give me your impressions of guys like uh, Sky Clark and uh, Dane Danger and Epps and some Harris and some of those guys. Well, I will tell you that Danger's not going to be available in the last five minutes of any close game. <laughs> right. He, oh, man, his free throws aren't even close. And I did watch him shooting in practice the other day, and he made more. But he's he's very very shaky. Like many big guys, shooting free throws is a problem. And and so uh, I don't think he's going to be a much of a threat offensively, although he can score deep. But uh, against good teams, he's going to have you know Illinois is going to they're going to go pretty much uh, I think with Coleman Hawkins guarding the post if he can uh, stay out of foul trouble. But uh, in in the long run, both will play at the center position. Uh, Shannon got off to a slow start. He was three out of ten in the ball game, and and uh, he just um, I, I don't know I don't I think he's going to score consistently, and he might even be a, a, the leading scorer before the season's over. But he didn't look particularly impressive last night, although he's got athleticism, you know, all over the place. Uh, it was just a game where 
it was is a game where I, I I wasn't really impressed. I thought Myers way behind in his uh, development for this season, um, off an injury and 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 staying in school down there um, in Texas so long and and having having to have it go to summer school and all and so he's way behind and and of course they've lost Goody so. It, it's a it's a work in progress, and I and I can't tell you I can't begin to tell you how it's going to work out. But there was nothing last night that left me more impressed than I than I thought it would be. Nothing. Yeah, Meyer was two for seven from the field, zero for four on three in sixteen minutes. What'd you think about uh, Sky Clark? Eleven points, four rebounds, three assists in twenty nine minutes. I think he's going to be solid. I I he, he looks solid to me, but I. And uh, I don't know that he's a take charge guy at all. And the, the guy that made the most, that's the most impressive on the court without looking at the stats is Ty Rogers. Right. He just has a, a way about him. I, when he gets in the game, he can penetrate and he'll kick. You got to be alert because he'll pass the ball to you if you're open. And and he just he seems to have all the right knacks of playing except that he doesn't look to score. He's kind of a there's a guy named Simmons in the NBA that's a little like that. He's having a real tough start this year, but he's one of those guys that the scoring is not the most important thing to him. He just likes to play basketball, and he does it on both ends. And, boy, he, had, he can rebound too. He had uh, seven points, two for three uh, from the field, and he had nine rebounds off the bench in uh, 16 minutes of play. He, he's an uh, he's explosive but talented player. He's going to play a lot. What about Sincere Harris? Your thoughts of him? Well, he fouled out pretty he, quick, he, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, he I, 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 he's, I can't tell anything. I mean, I know he's a he's a good offensive player. I'm not sure how he's going to stack up defensively. I mean, uh, uh, he's going to have to play. He's the third. Well, actually, he's the fourth freshman. Uh, he's coming off the bench, and he's like the eighth or ninth guy. I I don't know how much play he will get, but uh, I thought I Epps looked to me like he's more solid, but. We'll see. Epps is one out of six from the three, and Shannon was one out of six. I mean, and Meyer's one out of four, as you said. I mean, when you're doing that, you can't really tell much. Well, Brad uh, Underwood said uh, before the game that it was his intention to play everybody. He did yeah. that. Uh-huh. That's what you do in these kind of games. Now he's got nine days to to um, tell these guys what he liked about it and uh, what uh, some of the areas that need the most work are. Well, he did say that they had lapses, and I, I, you know, I'm not sure what he was replying to. I, I, it, it never occurred to me before, and and I don't know the actual case for all these freshmen, but some of them haven't played with a shot clock much before, if at all. And this was apparent a couple times last night as Underwood got out to point out, you know, that the, the shot clock, you know, is on, and you got to play against the shot clock. And I heard him saying that on the bench. I sat down where you normally sit. For the game, right behind the bench, and and he was he was getting on him about that, and that's the thing about freshmen; they've got an awful lot to learn. They've never played with that big a crowd. They've never played with this kind of pressure. It was an exhibition game, of course, so there wasn't the pressure they'll feel later. But it's just different, and shooting is different when you have guys on you, really on you. And he said, "Well, they shot better in practice. Well, that's one thing. They're shooting over Dubbin. They hadn't even played. They they'd been at the State Farm Center what one one or two days before." Right. That's all. I mean, the background's different. The the the, uh, the intensity is different, and and the crowd makes a the crowd's a factor. 
they listed the crowd at just over 15,000. Were there that many in the house? No, 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 there weren't that many in the house. But, but they're, you know, that's, they're going to have sellouts all season when, when they play somebody, you know. I don't know about I don't know about these early games because all these these early games all look to me like exhibitions. I, I say all, not all, but a number. And we start out with Eastern Illinois. You know that's uh, that shouldn't that that shouldn't put too much pressure on them. Right, and even if there wasn't fifteen thousand there, say there were ten thousand there, that's still a bigger crowd than some of these freshmen have played in and. Uh, for the first time, that that certainly is going to take some getting used to. Yeah, there were a lot of people there. I saw Mary Hansen was there. Good. Yeah, I'm glad to see Mary out. And uh, and you know, I just uh, I I kind of watched with the uh, an awareness that you know this doesn't really settle anything. This doesn't solve anything. This just creates uh, more coaching opportunities for Underwood. And this team is going to take some coaching because you got to get the you got to bring them together some way. And and that's gonna that's gonna be when you're talking about. Two transfers, a couple guys from last year that didn't start, and three for four freshmen that have never played here before. So what you've got is a whole team of guys that none of whom were starters last year. And you're taking a guy like Luke Goody out of the mix for yeah. at least for a while. Yeah. He was showing uh, some leadership skills, one of the most vocal guys. So that'll be something for them to work around as well. In but all talk- fairness, one last thing. Yeah. Coleman Hawkins is play- is a better player than he was last year. I'm confident of that. He's just more con- he the things he says, the way he plays. I think he's going I you know, I'm slow in coming around cuz I, I I remember the end of last season when he spent it on the bench. Right. And and I uh I like I say I'm slow coming around, but I am coming around. Well, Hawkins had 15 points, a dozen rebounds in the game in 23 minutes. R.J. Melendez was 6-for-10 from the field, 15 points. He played 22 minutes. That led the uh, balance scoring. If you were at the game last night, you want to comment on it? Our phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Assistant Coach Chester Frazier will join us about 30 minutes from now to talk more about uh, last night. And we've got plenty of football to talk about as well. We'll take our first time out. Appreciate you being with us. The phone lines are open, 217-356-9397. Steve Kelly in Lincoln, Lauren in Champaign, and we're back with more after this. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. The Lanai Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Pellaofchampaign.com. Hey, Illini family, it's Brett Bielma. Every Fighting Illini football game is right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. And on the News Gazette app. It's 917, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly at Memorial Stadium. In Lincoln, Lauren Tate with us in Champaign. Lauren, as I look across the way here at Memorial Stadium, national championships, Mm. 1970, 71, 94, 95, 97, NCAA record of 387 consecutive sellouts. That counts today's game. And that goes back to 1961. That's one of the most unbelievable streaks that uh, I'm guessing will never be touched by anybody else. Well, I think that's right. I mean, that's unbelievable. Boy, they really had it rolling for a while, and I'm not sure how they did it. They they were attracting awfully good talent, and they had a 
program there. They had a great program of uh, walk-ons. They had a great program of recruiting and uh, some great coaches. And all of a sudden, it it swung when they weren't satisfied with nine and three, didn't it? It really did. And uh, but what is somewhat interesting, if not uh, amazing or head scratching, is that when they did drop, the attendance thing did not drop. It's uh, they get eighty-five thousand. Now, maybe, do all those people show up? I don't know, but it doesn't matter. They sold 85,000, almost 86,000 tickets, even during those tough times of the last few years. Well, I think when you have that kind of a situation, all those uh, uh, season tickets, nobody wants to be uh, shut out. You know, if you give right. up your ticket, then uh, somebody else would take it. Uh, it's the only game in town, and we, we compared it with the Minnesota last week with Minneapolis. got the Vikings and the Twins, and, the, you know, they've, they've got a – all kinds of professional athletics there and professional programs that that draw attention. And in Nebraska, the the Cornhuskers are the professional team. They're the only team in town. They are. They're a a seven-and-a-half-point underdog to the Fighting Illini. Illinois, of course, three-and-one in the Big Ten, six-and-one overall. Nebraska, three-and-four and two-and-two. And And the Cornhuskers are two-and-two since they made the coaching change. Mickey Joseph former uh, Nebraska quarterback, took over for Scott Frost after Frost got off to a 1-3 and three start. They've changed a little bit. Uh, their offense seems to be a little more wide open. They're fourth in the Big Ten in passing yards, 269 yards a game, and putting up about 425 yards in total offense, which is sixth in the Big Ten. That's the good news. The bad news is their defense isn't very good. Yeah, well, their scoring defense are allowing 31 points a game, which yep. is last and total defense, 471 yards they're giving up, rushing 190, passing 281. So they are vulnerable defensively. Illinois simply has to avoid turnovers, avoid mistakes, and they will move the ball. I mean, I keep repeating this stat, which is just amazing to me. Illinois last week, uh, two weeks ago, against Minnesota, had six 68-yard or more drives. Six drives of 68 yards or more. That is fantastic. Now, they only got two touchdowns and four field goals out of it, but enough to win the game. But just think how much they control that football when you're marching six times in four quarters. I mean, they're eating up the clock. Well, they had a couple of 16-play drives and one 19-play drive yep. in that a couple of weeks ago to chew up 40 minutes of the clock. They they kind of did to Minnesota what Minnesota had been doing to everybody else in, in controlling the football. Yeah, well, I, I think Illinois can control the football today if they avoid mistakes. And so that's that's the only thing I'm worried about is that they have one of those games, you know, one of those days where you fumble the snap from center or you throw a, uh, you know, a deflected interception or, you know, those kind of freakish things can happen. And and that's I don't know how you avoid that because you go out with no intention of doing it. But if if all breaks well, I like Illinois in this game, and maybe that's a jinx in itself. But I, I just think if if they can avoid mistakes, they should win the game. Twentieth meeting between these two teams. Nebraska has won thirteen of those. There was a tie way back when, and uh, but Illinois has won two straight. They're going for the third straight over Nebraska after opening the season last year in Champaign, 30-22, to and then winning out here in the COVID year with no fans in attendance, 41-23. As we mentioned, Illinois favored. They've got the still the nation's leading rusher, Illinois does, and Chase Brown. We'll see. He should be rested. He carried 41 times last time out. I'm sure they took it easy on him during the bye week. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're just trying to protect. He, I don't think he'll be carrying forty-one times. They've got, they got Josh McCray back, and and this week, and I assume that Josh will get ten carries or so, and uh, you know, take a little load off of him. I mean, you can't expect a guy to carry thirty-five or forty times every game throughout the entire season. I mean, nobody has been able. To, I say nobody who's ever been able to do that, and. Uh, so this is something you have to be a little more careful with, but but the main thing is winning a football game. If if that's what it takes, I'm okay, I'm okay with it. I think having Josh McCray back in there will really help in the red zone where they have struggled to score touchdowns. He's one of those kind of guys that uh, uh, you got to pay attention to. If you have him and Chase in there, perhaps at the same time, uh, it gives. Uh, the opponent something else to have to deal with, and he's more of a straight-ahead, bulldozing kind of guy. Yeah, well, uh, the, the main thing is is just con- keep control of the ball, and, and can we get another quarterback performance like DeVito showed against Minnesota? Wasn't that the best quarterback effort all the way around? No, no sacks. I don't know if he was even hit the ground more than once. Uh, I mean, during the whole game. And I, I, if you get that kind of performance again, Illinois is in good shape. Well, he's completing 70% of his passes on the season, 1,415 yards and 10 touchdowns. He's spreading it around, a bunch of guys catching balls for the Illini. We talked about the Nebraska's defensive stats being at the bottom of the uh, Big Ten. Well, Illinois is at the top of the Big Ten in every category. They're first in points allowed, first in the nation there. Second in uh, rushing yards, rather first in rushing yards in the Big Ten, second in the country. Same for passing yards, and number one in total uh, yards given up, and that is in the Big Ten and the country. So Illinois' defense is doing some things that uh, we haven't seen uh, to this level. Oh, I don't think we've ever seen this. I mean, to be number one in points, touchdowns, yards, uh, overall yards, passing efficiency, I mean, throw that pass efficiency in there. That's, That's crucial. I mean, and then to be number two in rush defense and interceptions, pass defense, and first downs. Second in the nation in fewest first downs. That sounds good to me. (laughs) Casey Thompson is the quarterback for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. He's completing 64%. He's passed for 1,800 yards and 11 touchdowns uh, so far this season. They're uh, Number one receiver is a guy to look out for. Number three, Trey Palmer, 47 receptions. He's averaging almost 17 yards per catch, and he's got uh, five touchdown passes. So that's their offense, and they, they've been kind of quick strike guys. They've, they have they come out and score early, and uh, that's good news, bad news. That means their they're bad defense has to get, get on the field pretty quick and stay out there, but uh, they've shown a tendency to uh, get some quick points. Yeah, you know, I, I saw a statistic, Steve, this week, and and uh, noteworthy that Devito and and Sitkowski are the one-two quarterbacks for Illinois, and Thompson, of course, is a transfer from Texas. That nearly half of the 131 schools started the season with a nearly half with a transfer quarterback as number one. That was at the beginning of the season. I don't know what it is now, but just imagine what it's going to be when this season's over. It's going to be a wild west, and Illinois will be among them out there trying to find find the best quarterback for next season by somebody who's unhappy where he is. And there'll be a whole host of those for sure. Oh man, yeah, there there are. I saw a story today. They're already lining up the list. 
I mean, there could be a guy sitting on the bench somewhere that's got all his paperwork all set to go, right? Mm-hmm. Probably several of those guys. Everybody, wants, you know, there's only one quarterback that, that plays in the game normally, and and uh, everybody wants to be that number one. If you, and you're sitting on the bench, uh, you know, what do you do? Yeah, there used to be an old saying, the most popular guy in town is the uh, backup quarterback. But <laughs> he's I'm popular not sure somewhere else now. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'm not sure that's the case. Yeah, he, he's uh, the most recruited guy <laughs> in, in the country. Speaking of the wild, wild west, the uh, West Division is up for grabs for Illinois to control its own destiny, 3-1 and one in the league. Purdue is also uh, right in there with three wins, but they've got a second loss. They're off today, by the way. Mm-hmm. Nebraska 2-2 two and two is still something to play for. Uh, a win today would uh, put them at three and two in the league and get them to five hundred. They're they're still talking about plenty to play for uh, as far as getting back to a bowl game. Yeah, yeah. Minnesota uh, is one and three and uh, lost three in a row now. Yeah, Wisconsin and, 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 might be getting a little better. Yeah, I think that's true. I think Wisconsin is getting better, and um, you've got a game also that everybody's going to be watching: Michigan State at Michigan in the other division. But remember, Michigan State is Illinois' opponent coming up. And if Michigan can knock them down again, maybe that'll, you know, it, it's it's an ideal time to play Michigan State, okay? Right after they play Michigan, because the sure. whole, they've beaten Michigan two in a row, and boy, do they want to make it three. Boy, do they want to make it three. And they're a 23-point underdog in that game uh, tonight. Yeah, but they've been an underdog against Michigan before on one. Yes, they have. Here's the Big Ten schedule real quick. Ohio State's at Penn State at 11. Rutgers at Minnesota at 130. Illinois at Nebraska at 230. Northwestern at Iowa at 230. Michigan State at Michigan at 630. Maryland and Wisconsin have the bye week. They play each other next week. Purdue and Indiana also have the bye week. Those are the uh, games today. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but next week, Iowa is at Purdue. That's a killer game, isn't it? Yes, it is. And uh, Maryland is at Wisconsin, and I would I would think Maryland's better than Wisconsin. I may be wrong. And of course, Ohio State's at Northwestern, which is not good for Northwestern. My point is that Illinois has got a real chance here the next two weeks. I mean, they, they could really um, they could really uh, create a, a pretty good gap behind them. Speaking of that Michigan State game next week, we do not know the uh, start time yet on that. We could know. As early as tonight, probably tomorrow, when that game will fall next week. It won't be the night game, unless I'm wrong in my calculations. There's already a Rutgers at Michigan, or Michigan at Rutgers is already picked for the night game next Saturday. So um, that may be good news if you're not a fan of night games, but we'll know the start time for that one coming up. Need to take a break here at 929. We'll talk more about the Nebraska Cornhuskers coming up. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, and we're back with more after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. 9.32, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate is in Champaign. Yours truly, Steve Kelly, at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. Going to learn more about the Cornhuskers now. Ben McLaughlin is with us, who works on the... uh, Husker Radio Network, a few Cardinal fans. Yes, he is related to their play-by-play voice on TV, Dan McLaughlin. Ben, good to see you this morning. How are you? It's been a while, Steve. It's good to see you again, too. So it's Uncle Dan, right? That's Uncle Dan, yep, Uncle Dan. It's uh, sad the season's over, but um, as they always say, there's always next year. Was he an inspiration to you to get in this business? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think 
we all have that point in our athletic careers, some a lot shorter than others, um, you know, where we realize, yeah, we're not going to make it at the next level. So most of us in this business just love sports so much. We're like, okay, well, what's the next best thing? Well, we can't play it. Let's go ahead and talk about it. So, um, yeah, it's been great. And I've been at Nebraska uh, just over 15 years, and, you know, I absolutely love it. So some bumpy times here of late and uh, previous seasons, uh, coaching change earlier this year. How do you see this team? How's it changed under Mickey Joseph? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just uh, the difference in message. You know, I think, uh, you know, anytime you go through, you know, an emotional change like this in the middle of the season uh, and, you're, and you're dealing with uh, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, uh, you always kind of wonder where their brains are, you know, with social media, with, um, you know, the transfer portal, with NIL, with all this stuff in front of them. Um, it, it ultimately comes down to winning football games and, and you know, putting forth a good effort uh, day in and day out to where you can be successful on Saturdays. And that's one thing I think, you know, Mickey did a really good job with early was uh, being that leader, having that clarity of message saying, you know, I know this happened in the past, but this is where we're going in the future, at least, you know, until the end of the season. And, you know, he's done a really, really, really good job of connecting with, with each of our players and, you know, getting them to, to still play at a level um, that, they're, that they're able to win games. And, you know, and they're able to go on the road and, uh, and steal one from Rutgers. And obviously, his, you know, his first win against Indiana, and they started to get a, a couple of things going, took Purdue down to the wire before the bye week, and, you know, hopefully going to try and stand up to, to the Illini here today. Ben, this is Lauren Tate. Uh, tell me about the offensive line. I hear there have been problems at uh, left tackle, right tackle. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, the offensive line has been a bit of an issue this year for Nebraska. And, um, you know, they had a, a true freshman starting at the end of last year named Teddy Prohaska, a local kid who really played well uh, down the stretch. And so there was a lot of optimism for him coming into the season. He was injured most of the offseason. Um, so he didn't get a lot of reps coming into the season. He unfortunately got hurt again and is out for the season. And so Nebraska's really had to kind of piece some things together um, at left tackle. And then Bryce Benhart at right tackle has really not played at the level that you need to to be consistent in this conference. And, um, you know, with that lacking, with losing Teddy on the left side, they've just they've tried switching guards to tackles. They've tried playing backups. They've And you'll see maybe three, four, five different tackles in there today. Uh, that's one thing Mickey Joseph's not afraid to do. He will, if you make a mistake or you're, you're not executing, he's not afraid to pull you out for a drive, uh, a couple series, a quarter, a game, whatever it may be. So um, it's not even just the tackles. It's, it's all five up front. And, you know, that's, that's what, you know, makes Casey jo Thompson's job a lot more difficult at times is um, the inability to consistently protect him. Well, he seems to have pretty good stats for the season. I mean, at least uh, he's, he's, he's been he, – I certainly hit some big ones against Purdue. I just wonder, uh, has he been able to survive in, in, under these uh, circumstances? Yeah, <laughs> I think he used the, the optimal word there, survive. survive? Um, <laughs> okay. You know, he has – had to extend some plays with his feet, and I and I feel like Nebraska's played Illinois enough now to know that that's been a staple of Nebraska's offense is having a mobile quarterback, having an Adrian Martinez that can you know rip off a big run. Casey's not like that. Casey won't tuck it and run, but maybe once a game. Um, so that that's a little bit different for us to not have that luxury of somebody that can move around with their feet. But Casey does a good job extending plays, sitting in the pocket. Um, and it also helps to have really, really, really good wide receivers, and Nebraska does have one of those in Trey Palmer. Yeah, tell us a little more about uh, Trey Palmer. He's got 47 receptions, 
16 and a half yards per catch. He, he seems like an outstanding one. Yeah, he's he's a special player. You know, he's one of those guys that, you know, your first couple of practices or two, you're like, wow, that looks different than everybody else. Um, and Nebraska hasn't had one of those guys at receiver in a while. Last year they had the Montana transfer, Samore Toure, who hit some big plays, you know, multiple 70-yard touchdowns for Nebraska. And before him, Nebraska really didn't have that guy since a Jordan Westerkamp or a Kenny Bell, which was years ago under Bo Pelini. So um, to actually have a, an outside playmaker – it was was much needed and you know mickey joseph much to his credit recruited trey to lsu brought him up to nebraska with him and he's an explosive athlete most times he's out there he's the fastest player on the field and you know purdue found that out the hard way he, he'll do it over the middle he'll do it short he'll do it on drags and, and most of all he'll do it on on deep deep balls too which they were able to connect on a bunch of them against the boilers talking to ben mclaughlin from the uh, nebraska radio network Okay, that's all on the offensive side of the ball. Let's go to the defense where the numbers don't look quite as good, do they? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago, Steve, that we were in this building and watching Oklahoma just carve Nebraska up, and they had no answer to uh, Dylan Gabriel and, and that Sooner offense, and um, it, it was bad. There's no, there's no way to put it. It was really, really bad. Um, but Bill Bush took over as defensive coordinator for Eric Shenander after that game. And I think they simplified some things. They, they kind of tightened some terminology up. They started playing with just some, some other different basic fundamentals. You know, you'd see a third and six and Nebraska won a blitz, but their corners are playing 12 yards off and the slant routes just killed us. Um, so little adjustments like bring your corners up, you know, little things like that that started to make Nebraska more successful. Um, big blow this, this week and for the rest of the season as a starting middle linebacker, Nick Henrich, is out for the year with a knee injury. And that just kind of seems like what it's been on the defensive side, missing a guy here, missing a guy there. We haven't really seen a game in which all 11 uh, are out there consistently, and they're going to have to fill that in the rest of the season too. Might, might start a true freshman today at middle linebacker. Uh, what's the status of uh, Joseph in terms of the head job? It sounds like they're taking a hard look at him. Yeah, and I think, you know, if Nebraska can somehow find a way to win today, you know, his resume is just building, and, and Mickey's been o open about it. You know, I think there's a lot of guys that would have a situation like this and kind of avoid the question or, you know, kind of dance around the elephant in the room all the time. Mickey's just embraced it. He said, yeah, I'm trying out for the head coach. He has, and he said, I have the best interview of anybody because I have the team right now, and that's a huge advantage for me. Um, so with recruiting, with on-field performance, with how he's handling locker room culture, I mean, he and, and here's the other thing is normally an interim job is a one to two week thing. This is a seven to nine week tenure that he's getting right now. So he's got substantial time with two bye weeks built in to kind of add what he wants to add and, you know, essentially try out for the job. Obviously, things would look massively different if he had an off season and had his own assistants and things like that. But. Trev Alberts in the athletic department can kind of get a sense of how Mickey runs a program over a two-month stretch, which is a huge advantage. It's almost like the Leonard situation at Wisconsin, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly like Wisconsin. You know, they bring in Jim Leonard and going to see, see how this thing goes uh, on, their, on their end, and that seems to kind of be the, the slam dunk higher on that side. But, and I, and I, that's, that's a trend that we're kind of noticing in college football. This is three to four years in a row where we've sat, had some big jobs open up by the start of November, and Nebraska and Wisconsin are, are no different right now. Ben, well, this is, excuse ahead, me, Lauren. one more question, uh, Steve. Ben, as you look at Illinois, what do you think? I mean, this has got to be a, a surprise to most everybody in, in the Western Division to see Illinois coming up like this, isn't it? I'll, I'll put it to you this way. 
we had the Friday night game in Champaign a while back, and I was on the sidelines at that time, um, sideline reporting. And I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show, but that was the most physical football game I can ever remember watching up close. Really? I mean, specifically Illinois secondary. This was when we had J.D. Spielman and Wandale Robbins and kind of those little little wide receivers. And we were constantly throwing the ball over the middle, and they were just getting obliterated. And I'm just wondering, how are these guys standing up after every play? And I just remember going, whoa, that's not an Illinois football team that I'm used to seeing, um, you know, being as physical as that is. And then, you you know, fast forward a couple of years, you bring in Brett Bielema, and we all kind of know his brand and style. I think Nebraska, again, learned the hard way uh, last year to open the season in Champaign that this isn't a team that is scared or is going to back down or you might have better recruiting classes than us, but we're going to stand toe-to-toe and we're going to hit you in the mouth. And I think, you know, for me, as an outsider's perspective, Illinois has been always a team that's so close, playing teams to a possession, to five points, to seven points, or you know, making a big mistake late, kind of like we have, and just been really close. And I think they've done a really good job of starting to believe in themselves that they can win these games. Um, and and you know, they're just more physical than a lot of teams that they're playing. And you're really showing that, obviously, with uh, with specifically on the offensive side, with with Chase Brown, the way you're running the ball, and, and obviously on defense too. You mentioned how well. Mickey Joseph is connecting with his team. Was there an apparent disconnect that you guys could see or the fans could see with Scott Frost? I, I don't think there was a disconnect. More of more of a of a, maybe a sense of panic. Like you got to understand when he came to Lincoln, uh, he was thirteen and zero at UCF yeah. and you know was undefeated. That this wasn't a coach, and he brought his entire staff with him. This wasn't a staff that experienced a lot of losing, and they didn't really know how to handle it. And so I think. They were trying this and trying that and constantly looking for answers and maybe trying to be be something that they weren't in terms of coaches. And it just started to spiral, you know, the old quicksand adage, the harder you try, the deeper you sink. And it felt like that's what was happening. And uh, obviously the loss to Northwestern and Ireland to start the year really, really hurt. But the loss here to Georgia Southern, you know, I think we all walked away from the stadium that day just going, this, this just isn't going to work. You expect him back in coaching? I do. I mean, I, he, you know, say what you will about Scott as a head coach. He's a brilliant offensive mind. He really, really understands that side of the ball. Um, it was so fun to watch the Nebraska's opening couple drives every game because he had everything schemed up. Um, plays just looked so beautiful. You're just like, man, that's what good offense looks like. But it's everything else that, that comes along with being a head coach that maybe Scott wasn't so good at um, here at Nebraska. So, um, I think there's a role for him out there somewhere, whether that's an analyst in the NFL, an offensive coordinator somewhere in college. But, you know, once you're in this business, you seem to be in it. You know, you, you just you care about it so much. And it might take a year or two, but, yeah, I, I would see him back in coaching. Hey, Ben, appreciate your time. Good to visit with you. You too, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. That's Ben McLaughlin from the Husker Radio Network. We'll take a break. Chester Frazier, Illini assistant basketball coach, will join us after this timeout, and we'll talk about that exhibition win over Quincy last night, 87-52 for the 23rd-ranked Fighting Illini basketball team. Back with more after this. Welcome back to the program, everybody, at 946 Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Going to talk uh, for five or six minutes with Chester Frazier, Illini assistant basketball coach, former Illini player, on that uh, exhibition win last night over Quincy by a score of 87-52. Chester, uh, welcome to the program. Give us uh, your overview of how things went uh, last evening. Uh, thought, thought things went went well. There, there was some good. There was some some learning lessons from it. Uh, 
you know, we're, we're, we're playing a totally different style of play. You see we're playing full-court basketball. We're pressing. We're playing fast on offense. Uh, you know, a lot of five-out stuff, four-round one. Um, and I just think we're just getting used to the pace of play. And, uh, you know, guys still got to get in game shape, I believe. Let's talk about a couple of the veterans first. Uh, Coleman Hawkins with 15 points and 12 rebounds. R.J. Melendez had 15 points. Terrence Shannon in his uh, Illinois debut with 12 points. Uh, how do you think those guys performed? I thought they, they played okay. They, they were okay. Um, you know, we're going to have to have, you know, I hate to say this, we're going to have to have more out of those guys. Uh, just more sound play, uh, discipline, leadership from those guys. Uh, but for the first night out, I thought they all they all handled themselves well. They played hard. They competed. Uh, and we're going to need that night in and night out. Uh, Lauren here. Uh, what did you think of the freshmen? I thought they all brought something uh, different to the table last night. Uh, you know, obviously Sky is, is that smart, steady. He can, can make shots. He can get to the basket. Uh, I thought uh, Ty Rogers on the glass last night was, was amazing. You know, how hard he plays, you know. And he fouled a little bit, him, him sincere, but I thought he was he was great last night. And just his versatility showed, his ability to handle the ball, pass, rebound, and, and, and be just an ultimate glue guy for us is, is big. Um, you know, Epps had some moments last night where, where you know, you know got to the basket a few times, played good defense, uh, still still figuring it out. And then uh, Sincere Harris, uh, just I thought he was dynamic defensively last night. Came in and gave us a, a joke off the bench, guarding the ball, pressuring the ball, um, flying around, being active. So, you know, I thought for their first time out in front of, you know, the fans in State Farm, I thought they all handled themselves pretty well. I've never seen very many freshmen like Ty Rogers. He's different in a lot of ways than, than most most guys come in with a jump shot that they want to show everybody. And, and they want to, I mean, the scoring is the number one thing in most players' mind, I think, uh, and, and many at least. And, I think it's the last concern that he's got. Yeah, he's a he's a winner, man. That kid impacts winning at a high level because he does all the things that that you don't see in the scoring count. He rebounds, he defends. You know, he's physical, he's tough. You know, he's gonna make the right play most times down the floor on, on offense. So he's a kid that you know when you watch him. You know, even when we when we recruit him, he wasn't a big time scorer. He's just all the other things you fall in love with. So it makes him hard to take off the floor. Talking to Chester Frazier, talk about the play of Sky Clark. You've seen him coming. You've seen him in practice, but it's been a while since he'd been out there, and and I didn't see the game. I'm in uh, Nebraska with a football team, but I was looking at the uh, the box score. Seems like he uh, represented himself pretty well. Yeah, he had a good game, man. I thought he played well. Um, like I said, he, he, he plays under control. He's smart. Um, you know, he. he you know, he made he made a couple of shots. You know, obviously still getting his legs under him. You know, haven't played basketball you know, at this level for a while, but um, he's coming around nicely, man. I think he's he's doing a great job for us. We haven't uh, talked to you. We've heard from Brad Underwood a little bit since the injury to, to Luke Goody, but uh, certainly that uh, leaves a hole there. And not only uh, what he could do on the court, but his leadership skills as well. Yeah, just another veteran, man. A guy that's been here. I mean. That's played and, and played in big games for us, uh, and obviously what he does from a shot making standpoint is, is elite. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna miss Luke. Uh, other guys are gonna have to step up. You know, we need those veterans to to, to step up in, in place of what he what he brings. Uh, but I have no doubt they will. I, I'm gonna throw one at you, uh, 
Chester, uh, I keep getting questions. Everybody wants to know what's happening with Kofi. I've heard Japan. I've heard this. I've heard that. What can you tell us about Kofi? Well, I, 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 I talked to one of my former players that played at Virginia Tech. He's supposed to, he signed in Niigata, uh, Japan. Okay. You know, one of my former players from Virginia Tech, Kebe Aluma, is on that team right now. So he, I believe he's, he's, if he's not there already, he's headed that way. Okay. Well, how does that sound to you? Is that a good place? Yeah, I think he, he'll make he'll earn some good money. Uh, he'll break a few backboards, <laughs> tear, tear a few rims down in that league. Uh, it, it's not a league that's uh, high high level as far as uh, the talent and competition. But he, I think, for a first for his first job overseas, he, he can make good money there and he can build a resume. Chester, we know you're busy uh, on this morning after the exhibition game and uh, getting set for the uh, season regular season opener coming up in about nine uh, days. We appreciate your time. Thanks for taking time with us. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. Chester Frazier, on I assisted basketball coach, with us there to talk about that uh, game last night. If you were at the game and have any comments, give us a call, 217-356-9397, 8752 was the final. And, Kind of like that uh, secret scrimmage of a week ago, Lauren, seeing some guys in different colored jerseys certainly is what you need this time of year as you get set for the season. Oh, that's right. And and it's a, a lot different with the crowd there, Steve. I mean, there was no crowd there for the game at Lindenwood. But, uh, you know, this this is, this had everybody kind of jacked up, and they played like, you know, they they didn't play normally in those first uh, 10 minutes or so. And then Missing all, everybody won. They just took turns shooting jumpers and missing, <laughs> and you know, and three pointers. But they settled down, and and this is something that we're we're going to watch as the season progresses. This team's got a long way to go. It's playing different. The half court offense does not have Kofi in the middle. They've got their center situation is different. When when uh, Coleman Hawkins is playing center, he's not posting up. He's he's moving around. He's in a different slot. And uh, they're they're basically playing a five-man positionless offense, um, and I think that's what it's got to take some getting used to. We talked a little bit about uh, Dane Danger earlier in the show, uh, not uh, wanting him in the game perhaps in the final minutes uh, for his foul shooting. But you look at his line; he scored eight points, four for six from the field. I'm guessing most of those were were close range. Had had five rebounds. How, how do you think he moved around? We'd heard talk about uh, him being a pretty good ball handler and and with pretty good footwork. Could you see that? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that I saw anything. That, that uh, look, when you play teams like Quincy and and a lot of teams on the schedule, they don't have uh, real centers. Right. right. I mean, I I can't tell how good a center is if he's if he's playing against a guy that's not a center. <laughs> And, you know, when you get in the Big Ten, it's a different world. Everybody has at least a big bruiser, and that's what he is. He's a big bruiser. How effective he's going to be offensively, I don't know. I, I don't anticipate that he'll be anywhere, you know, that he'll be a major scoring threat. Well, with the early turnovers, the uh, not-so-good three-point uh, shooting and such like that, those are called uh, coaching moments <laughs> for Oh yeah, uh, the coaching staff when they uh, see some things happen, and that's why they do an exhibition game, and there'll be plenty to to get their uh, the players' attention in the next uh, week or so. Well, they they didn't have much rhythm with their offense early, and I don't know if, if that's going to come or not. I mean, that's that's what has to come. Uh, 
if you're going to have a five-man positionless offense, you've got to really move the ball quick. You've got to have players moving and the ball moving, and you've got to get better shots. I mean, you just can't come down and shoot a three every time. Uh, they shot 34 threes. That's a lot. I mean, of course, Illinois shot a lot of threes last year. I think the second most on uh, – was that the second most any team other than 2005? Sounds uh, right. I think I think I'm right, but anyway, I mean, Illinois is committed to the three point shot, and they just have, simply have to make them. And they lost their best three point shooter in Luke Goody, and we don't know what, when, you know, when or if he'll be back. There's hope he'll be back in January, but even then, if he comes back in January, he's got to get in shape. And you, how do you get in shape when you got a broken foot? That's tough because basketball is a game of running and jumping, and uh, that's something you can't do. You know, if it's a it's an arm or a shoulder or something that's a little bit different, but uh, it, it'll be tough, and we'll see how, you know, and there's so many bones in the foot. I, I don't know which bone was broken, but uh, um, it, it'll be a, a tough comeback. But he um, sounds like he's ready to get after it, and uh, he said his, his surgery went successfully yesterday, so we'll go from there. Illinois wins at 87-52, the regular season opener is Monday, November the 7th, a week from Monday, against Eastern Illinois University at the State Farm Center at 8 o'clock. Brad Underwood, by the way, will be uh, on Monday Night Sports Talk, hour number two at the Esquire coming up on uh, Monday. So we'll talk more about that. Let's go to the phones at 9.57. Uh, Mark is calling from Jacksonville. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. How you doing? I'm doing good. I didn't, oh, of course, wasn't at the game, but I watched it, uh, the basketball game last night. I was uh, impressed with the defense. I love the full court pressure because I think they've got six guys who can do that really well. And um, I was more impressed with Danger than uh, Lauren was. And I want to say two things about the overall play. The defense was very good. I know a lesser opponent. And nobody, individually or as a team, I don't care anywhere in the country, looks good when your shot's not falling. So I'm going to take that into account when I you know, talk about the rest of the night. Um, I liked Sky Clark. I liked Harris. But what I liked about Danger, as I watched him, he showed me a lot of basketball IQ. That dude knows how to play, I'm telling you. Him, Ty Rogers, and I like guys like that who know how to play. He helped his teammates a lot. He moved all guys off so they could get to the basket. So I think this team's going to be really, really good. I'm talking top 15 good minimum uh, once they, you know, get settled down and are hitting shots. They're going to beat a lot of teams. Well, we, you know, I, I don't know how to respond to that. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how good they're going to be. They've got a, a schedule early that's going to be completely misleading. They're going to win all these games, and I think they'll beat Syracuse too. I think they'll win all their home games. I think they'll win every single one without impressing. They don't have to impress to win. They don't have it. The schedule is 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 made to order. Now they've got some games away from home that are going to t- determine how they, how good they're going to be. If, if they can beat a UCLA, if they can beat a Texas, if they can beat Missouri, that's a whole different story. I agree with that, but I think they are going to beat some of those teams. You know, of course we. We'll see when they get paired up, but I I absolutely think they're going to be a few of those teams in the, before the Big Ten schedule starts. 
Well, of course, you got two games in the Big Ten schedule that actually come in early, but that's in right. December. But that's you know that's that's what the that's yeah. the way the schedule is set up. But I, I, I it's way too early for me to judge. I mean, I I'm, I know everybody that's I know there's an awful lot of positivity locally about the basketball team, and I think a lot of that stems from the last three years, which have been very good. And uh, but but it's still it's still too much. I I can't I can't. Um, Visualize it yet? I mean, it, I, I there's just too many, too many things that have to happen positively. And boy, when you go down on, on offense and you don't have a postman, that's a whole new world. That is a whole new world. And and Coleman Hawkins is going to be the center 30 minutes out of 40, I'd, I'd say, in every game. And you know, Lauren, no, excuse me, Lauren, but you know what? But I think throughout the season <clears throat> they're going to get more points in the paint than they did last year. Well, okay, I don't agree with that, but that's okay. I mean, I don't okay. think you're going to get more points than you get from Kofi. That's 20 points a game right there you're not getting. I'm talking, you know, off of all these drives, all these uh, penetration, putbacks. Yeah. I will, I will tell you that the number of layups you're going to get in the Big Ten, once you get in the Big Ten against good, strong teams and big centers, the, the guards are going to go in there and get their shot blocked for the first times in their life. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Shannon. But I'm saying, uh, and I don't see Meyer getting many layups, but I, I don't think the freshman will be able to go in there. I mean, even even Io had problems if he, unless he went in on the right side with a little edge. Yeah, you know, it's it's not easy to get layups in the Big Ten. And by the way, it's not easy to press. You don't get anywhere pressure in the Big Ten. Full court pressure doesn't work. If you put two men yeah. on one guy, they're going to throw the ball down and have four on three. That's the way it works. And that's why I said you got to have the right four guys out there at a time, at each time. I think it's going to come from Ty Rogers, Melendez, Sky Clark, uh, Sincere Harris, and Epps. Uh, you know, you got to get the right four guys of those six at a time out there, and then get in the passing lanes. And I think it will work really well. Okay. Well, tell me the last team that's done that. In the Big Ten. 1989. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, of course I'm. It just doesn't happen. And sometimes we play entire Big Ten games with one or two fast break baskets. That's I how the Big Ten that. is played. You're going to play Michigan State, number one. You're not, you're not going to get any fast breaks against them. They don't allow it. Well, I'm just what? telling That's you. I mean, you get, they, they, be they, realistic. They, that's their game, Lauren. You know that. They that's they depend on fast breaks. Well, I they know they do. Shoot. I know they try to get it out and go. But it's ten o'clock. I'm sorry. I'm I'm running over here. Go ahead. Hey, Mark. Okay. We appreciate the call. Right. Good thank, to hear from you. you. Yep. Thank you. Ten o one at WDWS Champaign Urbana. Hour number one of the Line Pella Saturday Sports Talk is in the books. Hour number two is coming up after this. Stay with us. We'll keep the phone lines open. Talk some more. Illinois football and basketball. Stay with us. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 
It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Back at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, where the Nebraska band is working on its uh, pregame show. They just played a nice rendition of Illinois loyalty here. They're getting set to host uh, the Fighting Illini in a game that kicks off at 2.36 here at another sold-out Memorial Stadium. Martin O'Donnell joins us on the phone. He'll be working his way over about six blocks from the hotel to uh, the stadium coming up this afternoon for this ball game. Good morning, Martin. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing, Steve? We're good. We're good. We've got everything. we got the weather working uh, in uh, our advantage. going to be 70 degrees by game time, sunshine. And I know you're fired up about this one, as you are for most Big Ten games, but uh, with Illinois in the driver's seat in the West. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 6-1, and one, and, and that's kind of the fun thing about this Illinois season right now is every game that kind of goes by is, is an opportunity to really kind of take things up a notch. I think it was great to – you know, read a lot of, you know, local, you know, we always get a lot of great local press from the News Gazette and other sources on the Illinois team, but, uh, you know, a lot of national outlets picking up stories in Illinois' bye week. And so every every week, every game that comes is, is a great opportunity to just kind of keep that momentum going and, uh, you know, see how far Illinois can go. Well, they'll go um, with the offense led by Chase Brown, still leading the country in rushing at uh, 1,059 yards, five and a half yards a carry. If I had to nitpick a little bit about the offense with him uh, leading the way, I'd like to see him get in the end zone a little more often, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, one certainly one of the points of emphasis for the team in, in the bye week was really, you know, red zone offense and finishing those drives with touchdowns instead of field goals. We saw that, you know, quite a bit against Minnesota, finishing drives with field goals and, and not touchdowns when they had the opportunity. But, you know, I think, you know, hopefully they get Josh McCray back today. You know, that will certainly help in the red zone. But, um, yeah, I think Chase Brown is having a really special season. Uh, and, again, he's going to have an opportunity to have a good day just looking at statistically. You know, Nebraska's, you know, one of the, you know, one of the worst defenses uh, or the lesser defenses in the conference statistically. So there certainly appears to be an opportunity there for, for Chase Brown and this Illinois rushing attack to have a good day. Martin, I, I got this question uh, just yesterday from a guy. He said, how did they put this offensive line together when they lost, well, they lost Lowe and Kramer. They lost three out of five starters. And they, you know, and, and they had to bring in a couple junior college guys. How did they put this line together so effectively? Yeah, I mean, and, and I think so, it takes time, right? I, I think early in the first, you know, three games of the season or so, we saw some of those growing pains. And some of that had to do with injuries and guys were banged up. But, you know, I think what you have is you have guys that have gotten better every single week and, and you have people, you know, I think Alex Pilstrom is, is a key to it. You know, at the center position, obviously taking over for Doug Kramer, you know, was a four-year starter there. I think Pilstrom is playing really good football right now. Um, but it, it, it's chemistry. It takes time. You know, I think I think Zy Chrysler, I think Isaiah Adams are doing a nice job at guard. And then, you know, getting Palcheski back for a sixth year was huge for this team just because the tackle options were somewhat limited. So, you know, Palcho's out there holding down right tackle. I think Julian Pearl 
is also playing good football. And, you know, look, I think some of it's coaching. I think Bart Miller's doing a really good job of, of developing these guys and getting them to buy in. And, you know, I think also Barry Lunny in terms of play calling, they're, they're not asking this offensive line to do things that they're not capable of doing. I think they know what they're capable of at this point. They have the plays that work really well. They'll have deviations and variations of it. But, you know, I think what you have is, you know, offensively they really understand who they are as an offense, as you should, seven games in. And now it's really just a matter of maximizing that ability. So, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. It's play calling. It's coaching. Uh, but ultimately the guys are just playing really good football up front and, and they're playing with an edge. And I think they take a lot of pride in knowing that they're blocking for, you know, the nation's leading rusher. And I think that's something that, uh, um, that they want to continue. Yeah, I'm sure that makes it, uh, that makes some mentally that that's a, a big pickup to know you got a guy that's, that's leading the nation. You want to keep him there. Uh, uh, is Adams a, an NFL prospect? I think so. I mean, I think you just if you just look at his body type, he he's playing he's playing really good football. I think you know watching watching the Minnesota game. I mean, the physicality that he brings, I think, is a lot of fun. But he also has some versatility. Early in the season, when Illinois had some guys going in and out of the lineup, you know, he was the guy that got kicked out to tackle. So he's really kind of the third tackle on this team. Um, you know, I think certainly when they have team success, I think you wind up getting scouts asking a lot of questions, right? When you have the nation's leading rusher, you know, you're going to have NFL scouts come in and say, okay, well, why are they able to do that? And so you're going to have guys, you're going to have scouts looking at, you know, offensive linemen, other aspects of the offense, you know, just trying to figure out how Illinois is doing it. So, yeah, I, I think he's certainly a prospect. Um, as several of these guys are, but you know, ultimately how far that goes, I don't know. But you know, he came in really ready to play, and I think Zy Chrysler's done a nice job. And you know, the, the sixth guy there, Jordan Slaughter, you know, coming off the bench and rotating in, you know, at least a couple of series a game. That's that's really important to have somebody that can plug in there along the interior and give you some quality reps. Talking to Martin O'Donnell, we're at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is one of the great stadiums, I think, in the Big Ten and college football. Today's game will be sold out for the 387th consecutive time, dating back to 1961. If I remember correctly, uh, Martin, before you uh, selected uh, the University of Illinois as your college destination, you made a trip out here to Lincoln to see a game, right? Yeah, I did. I I took an official visit to Nebraska when I was trying to figure out where I was going to go, and Frank Solich was the coach at the time, and, you know, had a good time on the visit. You know, facilities were great. You know, they're still... uh, still very strong but uh you know i I like lincoln as a town you know having been here a couple times now calling games i mean it's just a really nice setup with with the campus right there the stadium um and then you kind of got the the downtown area the haymarket district Uh, a lot of great options good place to visit well a crowd of eighty five thousand plus will be on hand it could be uh very effective in ball games but i think Illinois, even though they were blaring the music in Champaign the last few days of practice as I went by the stadium a few times, but uh, I think uh, having won at Wisconsin and then at Penn State last year uh, for many of these guys, that certainly will help them uh, deal with that kind of problem uh, if it occurs today. Yeah, I, I think without a without a doubt, I mean, this will be the most hostile environment that this team has played in so far this year. You know, a couple of bigger road tests coming uh, you know, down the pike a little bit. But, you know, what, the things that I'm going to look at today are, you know, one, I, I think Nebraska is going to try to hit a big play early, get the crowd into the game, keep them in the game. But when Illinois has the ball, the easiest, surest way that I know to take a crowd out of a game is run the football and convert, right? You, if you march down the field, 10-play drive offensively, put points on the board, that gets the crowd out of it. So that's going to be something I'm watching early. Uh, but I certainly think it will be a factor. It's going to be loud, 
um, you know, this crowd is hungry. They see, you know, the, the fan base seems re-energized uh, under Mickey Joseph, the interim coach right now. And I think this is a, a Nebraska offense that is uh, incredibly dynamic. You know, Trey Palmer, I was telling people the last couple of days, just watching their last three games. I mean, Trey Palmer is, is the best receiver in the Big Ten, not on Ohio State. Um, from my perspective, I mean, he, he is explosive. He's incredibly impressive. So Illinois is going to have a tall task of, of trying to keep that big play uh, offense a little bit grounded. And they've got a running back, uh, Anthony Grant, who wears number 10, who is sixth in the Big Ten with uh, 682 yards. But uh, running against the Illinois defense for just about everybody has been uh, kind of tough to do so far this year. Yeah, yeah, it's been tough sledding. I think Mo Ibrahim had, you know, wound up getting 100 yards, but. Uh, the last time Illinois played, but those were those were tough yards to come by. I, I think this is going to be, um, you know, certainly Nebraska is going to try to have some balance, but I think they're just going to air it out here. I, you know, Nebraska kind of runs the offense that I thought Virginia was going to run against us earlier this year where, you know, they're going to air it out. And, you know, what that does is obviously opens up the opportunity for big plays on offense, but Illinois is going to have the opportunity to take the ball away a few times as well, you know, win some of those 50-50 balls, and then a lot of it will obviously be can they get pressure on Casey Thompson uh, before he can get the ball out. Number one in the country is really something that we've never experienced here at Illinois, defensively I'm talking. Yeah. What What brought that? How did this happen? You know, I, I think first and foremost, it's, I mean, the guys on the field are all having career years, right? I mean, that's kind of one of those things. And how, do, how does that happen? Well, it's, it's scheme and, and it's coaching as well, putting them in positions to be successful. But you know, it really starts, you know, up front for me. I, I think you look at the defensive front, uh, and I would include the outside linebackers in that, and, mm-hmm. and you have Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, who I think are probably the best kind of interior defensive line tandem in the Big Ten. They're just playing excellent football. You add in Calvin Avery, who is, you know, really having a career year in his final season um, and dominating on the interior. And then, you know, Gabe Ackes has been a revelation at outside linebacker. And Seth Coleman has taken a huge leap as well. So, I mean, they're, it, it starts up front. I mean, they're, what they're doing a great job of is just building a wall, shedding tackles. I mean, I think Randolph and Newton are still up there. If they're not the top two in the team in tackles, I think they're probably in the top three. And you don't see that very often from interior defensive linemen. So I think it really starts up front. But then you got guys in the back end that are all playing really well, too. Uh, you know, Devin Witherspoon, you know, Thorpe Award semifinalist, which is great. But even guys like Kendall Smith. Kendall Smith bounces around from different positions and then slots in kind of at that deep safety um, and I think he has at least three interceptions this year. So you just have a lot of guys. And, and that's the fun thing to me, Lauren, is you look at it and there, there are guys and names here, you know, Quan Martin, where we've seen them bounce around in positions, but they've found a home in this defense. And I think that's a credit to the coaching as well of adapting the defensive scheme to the talent they have and finding slots for guys. And they just kind of keep doing it. Yeah, Kendall Smith has four on the year. The Atlanta four. defense has a dozen, and uh, that uh, is number two four or five in the country in uh, interceptions. So they're playing well. And, and, you know, you talk about a guy like Kirby Joseph. We didn't know a lot about him going into last season. And look at him now playing on Sundays, right? Yeah. Yeah, case in point, exactly. And, you know, the one thing I've been thinking about it, too, in the bye week that this defense hasn't done uh, yet this year that would really kick it up a notch is, is score. You know, whether that's a pick six or a fumble recovery for touchdown, uh, and I'm sure that Ryan Walters is, is reminding them about that. But, you know, that would be obviously one thing that would be great when you have a defense that can score the football. You know, Iowa does a great job of that. Um, but there's, there's just a lot of good football being played at every single level, you know, on this Illinois defense. 
that uh, pass interception statistic is number two in the country, actually, with 12. So another one of those top two defensive stats for the Fighting Illini defense. And Illinois favored by a touchdown in this ball game, which gets underway at 236. Martin O'Donnell, we'll see you when you get over here. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. See you. It is 10-17. We'll take a break and be back with more. The phone line is still open if you'd like to join us. 217-356-9397. Illini Sports Talk. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Back after this. Hey, Illini family. It's Brett Bielma. Every Fighting Illini football game is right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. And on the News Gazette app. Moving up on 10-20. The Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And you know... The folks at the Pella Window and Door Store in Champaign at their showroom on North Country Fair Drive, they've been serving this area and homeowners throughout the state for a long time now. They want to help you find the perfect window or door. If you're looking for new or replacement windows and doors, check out the showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. To see the products in person, Pella has been rated number one by Champaign homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. We all want to do that, certainly. The Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works best for each unique situation in each home. And working with them is an easy process from start to finish. They'll be there for you to help you along the way from uh, the shopping and picking out the products all the way down to the installation. Give them some lead time. So if you're thinking about uh, a window or door project at your home, Get out there and talk to them, and uh, they'll give you an idea of how long it takes to get product in these days, and you'll have a little timeline on uh, which way your project will go and how soon you might expect to have it completed. Learn more about the styles, materials, and options available to you. The Pella team has the knowledge and experience to help you find the perfect Pella product for your project. Give them a call, 356-6474. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Saturday by appointment, PellaofChampagne.com is their website. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're headed towards 11 o'clock. Then we've got pregame football coverage coming from here in Lincoln, Nebraska. As we get set for the ballgame this afternoon between the Illini and the Cornhuskers kicking at 2.36 this afternoon. We've talked some football. We'll continue to do that. We've talked some Illinois basketball. A winner in that game last night, 87-52 over Quincy in an exhibition game. The home opener is November the 7th. That's a week from Monday against Eastern Illinois University at the State Farm Center at 8 o'clock. One other basketball note, uh, the Spurs beat the Bulls last night, 129-124. to Iowa DeSumo, 12 points in the ballgame. The Bulls are 3-3. Three and three through their first six games. We got a text, Lauren, uh, from uh, a listener indicator wondering about the basketball coaching staff, who handles what. Chester Frazier, who we just had on, obviously uh, works uh, with the goals of the uh, guards. But uh, the other guys, Jeff Alexander, Tim Anderson, they've got their responsibilities. And let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, you know, we all hear all the talk about positionless, but you still – you got to coach guys to play positions, even if you are technically a positionless team. Well, Alexander coached Kofi, and, and right. he coaches the centers. And Jeff's done a great job with that so far. And um, 
I'm not sure how uh, uh, Tim Anderson's uh, responsibilities on the court. I, I'm sure he works with the uh, the wings or the guards, and and but the main thing to understand about Illinois practices when they have a two hour practice, that's Underwood. Right. <laughs> I mean, like he's the guy in he's he's the he's the guy talking. He's the guy in charge. Uh, he's a he's a really strong practice coach because he de- he details everything and. He gets after him pretty good, and I think uh, you know that's the reason why the media is not allowed to watch anymore because because he does get after him pretty strong, and he doesn't need everybody to see that. Well, he got after him pretty strong on the sideline last night and during during ball games, and that yeah. will that won't change. That's what coaches do, right? Oh yeah, that's what coaches do. And but it was really funny to hear uh, Meyer talk about. Drew uh, at you know his 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 coach was uh, uh, Drew. What's his first name? Uh, um, Scott Scott Drew. Yeah, I know. I remember the old man so well. Uh, he says Scott never swears. You know, it's almost a religious like thing on the court. If anybody swears, they had to put money in a, in a cup. <laughs> so so if that was true, that cup would be running over with <laughs> <the> Underwood. <laughs> he also said that Scott Drew was a happy-go-lucky guy, and uh, yeah. and Underwood, he'd been here several months and hadn't seen him smile yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Underwood's got a great personality away from the court, but he's nasty on the court. Now, yeah. he just is. Nothing wrong with that. I like it. I like the way he coaches. I think he's good. But if you want to, if you think you're going to go out there and not get uh, hit pretty hard from uh, all all sides, I mean, if you do something wrong, you're going to know about it in a hurry. Well, and some guys uh, that doesn't fit everybody's palate, so to speak. Some guys don't 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 take to that very well, and turns out they're not here anymore. And, and well, some guys like to be uh, coached and treated that way. Almost every guy I've seen, except maybe Rogers, <laughs> comes in. You know, they're all being coached to do something they don't want to do, which is play defense. And right. I, I, I pull Rodgers out of that because I, I think he likes to play defense. But but most players go from high school to college. They, they want to go out there and score their ba- baskets and get their points. And and uh, Underwood's out there to teach them to do things they don't want to do. They'd rather not do. I mean, I'll never, you know, when Johnny Orr was coaching Michigan, they loved Johnny because he just let them play. <laughs> and and, uh, and and there's nothing wrong. I mean, he had good teams. He got good players, and some players want to go where you where there isn't such emphasis on defense. I mean, do you want to play for Virginia? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And not everybody and, does. I mean, they get good players, but not everybody wants to play that way. Well, you got to know what you have too. I mean, Lou Henson's a good example of that. Uh, as a man that never swore for one thing in practice, but uh, and he knew what he had with the flying Illini. He, he basically let them play and. Uh, uh, but you, you got to have the right kind of combination, the right kind of guys to just roll it out and let them go. Not many teams can do that. No, and and uh, the defense is a big part of what this team is. This 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 particular Illinois team, if they can handle the center position, if that if that position doesn't hurt them, uh, and 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 that's a question. The rest of their defense looks really good. Well, you can think of a couple of occasions right away where you wonder about that. Mm-hmm. One is Michigan. One is Purdue and Rutgers, probably and Rutgers for yeah. this, you know dominating, proven big guys in the middle, yeah. which could provide matchup issues. Yeah, it will. And we saw what happened last year when t- people tried to guard Kofi one man, 
One man couldn't guard Kofi ever. They had to double team. And everybody double teamed Kofi. And what does that mean? That means the other four Illini are playing against three defenders. That means you ought to get shots. And we didn't get good shots last night for a good portion of that game against Quincy because we weren't penetrating. And then we did. Once we started penetrating, of course. But I, I, I don't really want to count that game because they didn't have anybody on their team that could have made Illinois' top ten. Right. You know, I mean, they just don't. And uh, it's a nice team at their level, but, you know. So we, we don't know much yet. We've we, we got a long way to go. But there, there are some, there's some things that I'm concerned about. But, but I, you know, I've, I've been concerned before, and, and uh, Underwood has turned things around. We are approaching uh, the bottom of the hour. It is 1028. We'll take a break. We'll talk some more Illinois football and basketball when we come back. If you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397 is the phone number. And this is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Ten thirty, Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lincoln, Lauren Tate in Champaign, Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News on the phone with us. Good morning, Doug. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. My sources indicate that you saw some Illinois basketball last night and uh, watched some of that ball game uh, with Mr. Tate. Let's get your thoughts on that exhibition win by the Fighting Illini over Quincy. Well, I think the thing you have to remember is this this is a completely different team, a you know, a, a rebuilt roster, so many new newcomers and my my biggest takeaway was probably that this is going to take some time for this group to gel. Uh but they they have some they have some good talent. You know, it, it really shouldn't come as a surprise that returning players, uh, Coleman Hawkins, RJ Melendez, really really looked the most comfortable on the court and had the best game, you know, out of out of the group. That you know, they they've been here a while. They know what Brad Underwood wants. Uh, the, the rest of the group a little, you know, a little rusty, and it's, it's going to take some time. I think, uh, you know, in, in uh, January and February, this team's going to look a lot better than it does now. Well, it's hard to say in an exhibition game uh, a lot of definitive words, but did you see anything in the ball game that surprised you? Because uh, it was the first time that uh, a lot of uh, we reporters saw a lot of these players. No, I don't think there's anything really all that surprising. I mean, some of the some of the uh, team strengths for this team kind of came out, and and some of the areas where they're going to have to pick it up came out. Three point shooting for one. I mean, it, it's not going to be a great shooting team like they were last year with with Plummer and Frazier, you know, and and uh, they really struggled from three. I think in the first half they think they were rushing shots a little bit, and they got kind of sped up in the half court offense, and were taking taking some uh, ill advised three pointers. Um, you know, but they're, they're going to have to have the right guys shooting the ball uh, from deep, and and going to have to hit it at a, at a higher clip. I, and I, I think Sky, Sky Clark is one of them that didn't didn't make the threes, but you can tell the guy's a good shooter. He's always been a good shooter, and I think they're going to shoot a lot better than they, than they did last night. I'm going to ask you, uh, Doug, to, to take a look over the Big Ten. And no, no Big Ten team in the top ten uh, nationally in the AP poll, and uh, maybe the is this the weakest the Big Ten has been in a while? Well, I don't know. I mean, until we see him play, I think there's there's a lot of uh, roster turnover throughout the league. You know, a lot, a lot of guys uh, uh, leaving. A guy like Jaden Ivey at Purdue and guys like that. So, 
I, you know, I think it's just going to take a while before we really know what the Big Ten has. But, um, you know, it's, it's a conference that has struggled in, in uh, the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, but still, like I said, it's still, it's still um, you know, the season hasn't even kicked off yet. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see what it looks like. But um, uh, Illinois, Illinois is projected to finish high in the Big Ten, even with only like three or four returning players. So I think that does go to show it does show you that the, the the league is different this year than it was last year. Well, yeah, I, that's why I was wondering. I mean, being ranked high in the Big Ten this year is a lot different than being ranked high in the Big Ten last year because last year you had so many teams that were in that top 25 or, or on the edge of it. And now, and now what we're seeing right now is a 9-11 and 11 Indiana team is the number one team in the conference, we think, and basically on the same players that finished 9-11. and 11. Yeah, I think when you're making projections these days with with you know with the transfer portal the way it is and guys leaving early for the NBA draft, and, uh, you know I, I don't think that you can when you're when you're projecting conference uh, standings, I, I don't think you can look at nearly as much at at returning players uh, as you have in the past. Yeah. You got to look at you got to look at the newcomers, you got to look at the transfers, and look at the whole picture, and then see how it plays out uh, once the season starts. But you know it's a different league this year. And, and uh, we're, we're going to see how competitive it is. Doug, let's flip you over to football. Uh, Illinois here in Lincoln today, a seven-point favorite over uh, Nebraska at 3-1 uh, and one in the Big Ten, the Illini 6-1 and one overall. Uh, let's, let's start with recruiting and on um, your thoughts on how things are going, how this season has benefited Brett Bielma and his staff uh, out on the recruiting trail. Well, when they're out there on the trail now, they're getting a lot, a lot different reception than they were before the season. When you know they were they were selling hope, they were selling a, a cultural change. Uh, you know, Brett Bielma always likes to say that he expected this, but you don't really know until until you get there. And no one really expected a six and one record at this at this point in the season. So when, when they go out there and they're talking to kids like. Uh, Malik Elzey, the wide receiver from Chicago Simeon, and some of the other more highly ranked recruits, they're getting a lot better reception than than they were before, and and uh, you know it's very encouraging the recruiting buzz surrounding the program, uh, and, and there's no doubt that that winning really helps. Elzey decommitted from Cincinnati. He he's uh, Illinois is a favorite to land him, and I think you're going to see more, more kids of that caliber, the the four star kids are going to start taking a second look at Illinois. Go ahead, Lauren. Well, I, I just wonder about this recruiting. Do you see they've got 18 players committed right now. How far do they go? I understand that you can recruit 25, and then if you can have as many as seven transfers leave your pro- program, that you can go to 32. Do I get that right? And you know, I think that was the case last year. I don't, okay. you know, I, I think they they waived the twenty. I know they waived the uh, the uh, twenty five new scholarship thing. So it's it's all about eighty five. You know, I think they okay. they can they can continue to recruit until they get to eighty five, and uh, they I don't know if they'll even get there, but but uh, they have several spots left. Uh, you know, I think uh, Brett Bielma usually likes to leave a couple spots open in the spring in case there's a transfer that they want to try to pursue. But, well, uh, they might need more than a couple there, uh, Doug. That's what I'm. That's no why doubt. I'm getting around to that. I mean, they've got 18 now. If they were going to be, I, I don't know the. I don't know how many guys are going to leave. That's the thing that's got everybody questioning. And I don't, even Bielma doesn't know. I mean, how many? The, 
are, are Johnny Newton and Randolph going to leave, or might one stay? Is Witherspoon definitely gone? I think he might be. Uh, you know, you've yeah, got to, you've with got success, to, uh, you you have that problem. It's a good problem to have because it means you're winning and kids yeah. are playing good. But they've got they've got several kids, and Devin Weatherspoon's probably the top kid who's probably you know he's a junior. Uh, he's starting to pop up on draft boards in the early rounds of the NFL draft mm-hmm. this, this year. So, you know, they're going to have to have opportunities to go and enter the draft. And uh, they're, I think they're trying to calculate those numbers. Uh, they also have some pe- guys that are kind of in in a, in a no man's land with their eligibility, like like a um, Palchuski was this year, where they can come back for a sixth year when they go back and look at maybe a, like the COVID year and take that or. Uh, a year where they did, where they had an injury or something like that and didn't play to apply for a waiver. So, you know, it, the number the number crunching is really tough right now. And, but I, I think they're still gonna, they're still going to take a, you know a few more high school kids and maybe leave some spots open for transfers. Yeah. Do you have any idea uh, about the defensive tackle spot? Because we're going to need to we're definitely going to need to get help there. We we know that uh, it's almost certain that uh, Newton's leaving, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, he's got all the tools that NFL, the NFL looks for. He's a big kid. He's quick. Uh, having a, a great year. He's spending a lot of time in the offensive backfield. So, it, you know, I think it does, does look both the NFL draft. You can't blame him. I mean, that's why you play football at a high level. But the, they, they got a kid named Bray out of Missouri. Uh, they just got a they just got a uh, commitment from Alex Bray, and uh, they project him as a you know defensive end in the three four. Uh, but they're pursuing some JUCO kids. They're looking at more high school kids. They're looking at kids committed elsewhere that they might be able to flip before signing day in December. It's definitely along. I think along with wide receiver, it's probably the uh, one of the top uh, positions of need for Illinois. You know, for the rest of the class. What's the date of the next signing period? I don't know, Dave specifically, but it's in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get the early signing period in December, and then around February first, you got the mm-hmm. traditional national signing day, which is. You know, it's kind of it's not what it used to be because of December. Everybody likes to get kids signed early. Yeah. Another couple of minutes with Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News Rivals dot com. What do you expect today here in Lincoln, Doug? Illinois, a seven point favorite on the road. Nebraska's defense not very good. Illinois' defense excellent. What do you see happening here? Yeah, I mean, on paper, Illinois is a better football team. I think they're going to be able to run the ball with Chase Brown. Um, you, you look at defense has really struggled to stop the run. They gave up a 100-yard day to, to a Purdue running back. And they gave up 600 yards of total offense against Purdue. So their defense has really struggled. Illinois' offense seems to be playing their best football right now. Tommy DeVito was really good against Minnesota, had probably his best game of the season uh, so Illinois is a better team, but you never know. You go into a hostile environment. You got a whole got a whole bunch of fans making noise. Uh, we'll, we'll see how Illinois responds. But I, I think they are. The spread is about right. Seven point five. I think right now is the spread, and, and uh, I got Illinois winning by ten. So I, I think they're the better team. Uh, they can't give up the long ball. You know, they, they got a they got a wide receiver over there who's who's has the most long plays from scrimmage in the, in the country, had a bunch of catches over 30 yards against Purdue. So uh, they can't give up the deep ball, but I, I think they are the better team. And if they play sound football and don't, don't turn it over, I, I see in the line I win today. Well, you know, one thing they have done is put themselves in a position uh, coming down the stretch to basically control their destiny as far as the Big Ten West goes. They've got so, some big wins there, obviously. All three of those wins uh, give them the uh, – 
tiebreaker should that uh, be a factor later on and uh, a couple of key games are right out in front of them yeah i mean when you're talking about illinois if they if going if they go three and five down the stretch they're a nine win team and no, you got to be ha- really happy with that nobody projected that at the beginning of the season and they're a much better football team than everybody thought uh you know the the trip to ann arbor to take on uh, michigan's going to be tough obviously but you, you like to go in there with just one loss and, if that, and make that a really huge game for, for Illinois. Uh, the Big Ten West is, is uh, not very good, honestly. And Illinois is, is competitive, and you got to figure they're the favorite to win the division right now and, and go to the Big Ten championship game. By the way, we have Ohio State playing at Penn State at uh, 11 o'clock. It was about 20 minutes from now. Um, how, do you, can Penn State stay with them at home? I don't think so. I, I think it, I think Ohio State's different than everyone in the Big Ten because of all that speed on offense. I mean, they make it a track meet, and, and uh, you can you can play score some points against them, but it's just hard to keep up. They, you know, uh, C.J. Stroud's probably probably the favorite to win the Heisman. They chuck it down the field. They have those guys that can really run. You know, and Penn State's a good team. Don't get me wrong, but I I think Ohio State is just different. Let's go back to the phones uh, real quick. Steve from Princeton with a recruiting question. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, good morning, guys. Enjoy the show. I'm on the Nebraska network, and I see they've got a young man from St. Rita. Howard, I think, is his last name. He's committed to Wisconsin, but yet he's still open-minded, so he's there as a Nebraska guest today. And I wonder if that's the kind of kid that Illinois might be able to flip being that they tried recruiting him before, he's committed to Wisconsin. You know, looking at Nebraska, that and with the success, if Illinois wins today, that kid might it might backfire on Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's actually two. There's two guys, two defensive linemen committed to Wisconsin that are that are both going out and seeing other schools. They got a kid named Trey Pierce, who D tackle, who Illinois recruited, who just who. Just got an offer from Michigan. He picked up offers from other schools. I, I think with Wisconsin, it all comes down to whether or not Jim Leonard is hired permanently as the coach. You know, they, they, those guys went there because of Jim, Jim Leonard and the success that they had defensively. If he's not retained as the head coach there, there's a very good chance both of them will be back on the market. And Illinois was, was competitive for both of them. They've continued to recruit both of them. So uh, it's Pierce especially, I think, that they're really trying trying to uh, to flip. But I, I don't think that's going to really develop until you see what Wisconsin does uh, with the head coaching position. Sounds like there's an awful good chance that Leonard's going to be retained, doesn't it? Don't you think so? I mean, I, I guess that we have to wait and see how the games turn out. But they love him up at Wisconsin. I know that. Yeah, I mean that's one maybe one of the reasons they made the coaching change. They didn't want to lose him. And, yeah. and I, I think it, it, there's a good chance he will be retained. And I think those two D, uh, D tackles will, will are most likely stick. But there's no doubt that that uh, Wisconsin's got to be uncomfortable with them taking other visits. They're, I mean, and and some of the things they're tweeting about offers. Uh, but you know, Leonard's got a really good chance to retain him if he's hired. Hey, Doug, we appreciate your time. Steve, thank you for the call as well. And uh, good good news is, Doug, there's not much going on these days. <laughs> <laughs> with basketball overlapping now with football, it keeps guys like you and me and Lauren kind of busy, doesn't 
And that's the way I like it. I mean, and, you know, it's a, and it's different. It's different this year. You've got two winning teams, two top 25 teams in, in basketball and football, and some of the other sports are, are looking pretty good as well. You know, I really like what I'm seeing from women's basketball. So uh, it's a great time of year. I love it. And, and uh, come to orangeandbluenews.com and subscribe. It's a great time to subscribe to the site. Good stuff. Thanks, Doug. We appreciate your time. Anytime. Thank you. You've got Doug Bouchon with us from uh, Rivals.com, orangeandbluenews.com. 10.45, a break. Back with more. The final 15 minutes of Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk. We'll keep the phone lines open, and we're back after this. Welcome back to the show. We've got about uh, 8 or 10 minutes left. If you'd like to get in, 217-356-9397 with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and this is... Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. If you missed it, last night in the World Series Game 1, the Phillies beat the Astros 6-5 to in 10 innings to take a one nothing lead in the best-of-seven series. High school football playoffs, we mentioned the scores off the top. Maybe you missed those. Muhammad Seymour rolls on to his 10th win of the season. First round of the playoffs with a 40-14 to win over Ottawa. So uh, the Bulldogs move on as does Prairie Central, a number one seed in 3A, Muhammad Seymour in 5A. Prairie Central in 3A with a 57-12 win over PBL. And in 2A, Bismarck Henning, Rossville, Alvin won over Westville 43-35. to Those are some of the scores from three games played last night. The rest of the games are coming up today. Lauren, let's talk about some of those. In 6A, Champaign Centennial, tough one on the road playing at Crete Moni this afternoon at 1 o'clock. Well, these are all seeded games, so you, yep. you, you know where you stand when you're going in, whether you're a favorite or not. But I'm not familiar enough with the high school teams to know uh, some of these teams that they're playing out of the area. Well, that's a 10 against the 7. Centennial seeded 10th in 6A. Also in 6A, uh, 6A the 14th seeded uh, Danville Vikings play the number 3 seed Normal West this afternoon at 1 o'clock. Unity, which is a four seed in 3A, playing at home this afternoon against Harrisburg. Monticello in 3A, a 12 seed on the road at number five, Mount Carmel at 230. I'm picking an upset there. Are you? <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised with your pick. I don't know what I think about the Can't game. Can't stop the Sages. They're unstoppable. Especially in the playoffs. Mm. St. Joe Ogden, uh, number seven seed in 3A, uh, plays 10th seed in Robinson this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Arthur Lovington at Wood Hammond, a 10th seed on the road at number 7 Vandalia in 2A. And then in 1A games today, Iroquois West against Dakota at 1.30. Salt Fork is at Red Hill at 2 o'clock. Tuscola at, uh, actually they play at home against Brown County. And Villa Grove is at Jacksonville Route. Those are the area teams playing in the IHSA high school football playoffs coming up uh, today and uh, they actually began last week so that season is moving along let's um, look at the Big Ten games on the schedule four teams not playing today with buys uh, Maryland Wisconsin Purdue and Indiana you asked Doug Bouchon a question about uh, can Penn State hang with Ohio State at home playing out at Happy Valley that game gets underway here in about 10 minutes 
I don't think they can either, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that Ohio State's just got too much for everybody, and, and we all agree on that. But still, Penn State's been considered the number three team in the, in the conference. It just gives you an idea how unbalanced things are and how impossible – I'll keep bringing this up. Uh, you can shoot me later – that you can't have a conference where one team is that much dominant over the third best team in the conference and expect to have any kind of a, how do you put this, how do you put divisions together when you got have such a lopsided situation it's impossible and, so and you, it's it's the real it's the weakness of the game itself but it's of course the strength of Ohio State that puts them in the playoffs every year and they're going to be as long as they're in the playoffs every year they're going to keep being in the playoffs because they keep getting the top players well we will have uh, we know for sure we will have divisions one more year after that we don't know yeah uh, what's going to happen and, and I'm, then you I'm got, not sure what to what to root for on that well if you want a 16 team league that's what you're going to have 16 teams in one league you know, I, I, and I, I use this comparison. The Chicago Cubs are in a five-team division. Every team's got a good chance. I mean, you know, the Reds have had their big red machine. But the Pirates have had their good teams with Stargell back in the day and Clemente. I mean, everybody's got a chance to build and be good. But in this situation with 16 teams, it's just going to be impossible. Not impossible, but really difficult to climb up when you have when you don't have a, a division that's that's with comparable teams in it, and I can understand why Rutgers and, and Indiana are upset to be in the same conference with uh, with uh, with Ohio State, but it's a shame to break up the Western division when you got seven teams all believing that they can win it, and 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 not not just you know not based on hope, but based on the fact that they all could win it if they, if they play the way they're supposed to, that they think they can. Well, you talk about the the teams in the second half of the East not happy being there, and it's not just Ohio State. I mean, Michigan's four and zero in the league, and that's right. Penn State's three and one, and and the best team in the West right now is Illinois at three and one. So, but like you say, when you put them one through sixteen, uh, that that raises some scheduling uh, uh, questions. It raises a, you know, what do you got to do to get if there is a twelve team playoff? People say, well, that might get three or four Big Ten teams in that. It might, but uh, it's going to be interesting to figure out what it's going to take to get there other than you know win all your games. I get that. Don't, I'm not trying to dummy it down, but it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of years when, when they bring in the, the two new teams. Yeah, it is, and, and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really disappointing to me because there's no way they can do it that's going to satisfy me. <laughs> I'm going to be unhappy no matter what they do because there's no way to put together a 16-team conference. There's just no way. Stop the presses. They're going to change their mind because they want to satisfy Lauren Tate. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. But, you know, I, you tell me how you can do it where it makes any sense. You, the, the one way you could do it is break it into small divisions, which is what they do in the NFL yeah. You know, I mean, I, I keep making this point. All the Bears have to do to win their division is beat the Packers and the Lions and and one other, the Vikings. Vikings, yeah. And, and, you know, this year the Vikings are winning it. Okay, that's fine. But there's only four teams in the division. One of those teams is in the playoffs. I mean, that's, that's the way to do it. The other uh, games today, Northwestern at Iowa at 2.30, then Michigan State at Michigan tonight. At 6.30. It's 10.55. Need to take our final break. We'll do that and be back with some final words after this.
Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online PellaofChampagne.com. We are wrapping things up on this edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We just got about 90 seconds left. Eric was on the line. Don't have time to get to uh, that question. We do appreciate you calling in, uh, Eric. But uh, we were talking about the divisions, and uh, I got a feeling that uh, any question on divisions with about 90 seconds left, Lauren, would take. Uh, a little bit longer to discuss than we have. So what are you looking for, Lauren? What do you think is going to happen here? I couldn't hear Lauren uh, if he tried to answer or not. Uh, what do you expect, Lauren, to, what's going to happen here? Well, I just think that uh, line I've been rolling, I think they're going to keep rolling. All righty, appreciate it. Hey, happy birthday this weekend to some of our favorite people. Dave Downey. Okay. Rick Schmidt. Oh, yeah. Mike Hatfield. Wow. And next Thursday, Lauren B. Tate. Have I got another one coming? Good Lord. <laughs> you got to count them all these days. You can't skip them. <laughs> I got to count them all. You can't, you can't count them by decades. And Lauren will be back on our pregame coverage a little bit later on and so will I. We appreciate you listening. Thanks to Dave Leak for helping us uh, put this on with me and Lincoln and Lauren and Champagne. Thanks to Ed Bond as well. WDWS Champagne Urbana. This is Steve Kelly. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks.